welcome back to the Sports Discussion Podcast. Hope all of you had a terrific holiday season. I know the boys over here did too. Today I'm just joined by uh, Evan Hartle. How's it going, Evan? I'm doing great. How are you? Terrific. Uh, Dylan's still recovering from the, from the season of all sorts of activities that he I'm part- getting the green light, if you will. Yeah, he had partook in all sorts of activities. He's off the grid for another week. We'll see if he can join us again next week. Anyways, this week we'll be joining you. Happy New Year to everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. And sticking with that theme, we're going to get into some New Year's resolutions. Um, well, first of all, let's, you know, share how of our how our uh, breaks went. So, Anthony, how was your break? What well, did you do? It was terrific. Went ice fishing, didn't catch anything. Really? Yeah. That's and, always terrific. Yeah, and uh, watched just about every World Juniors game. So, uh, a lot, a lot of time juniors. on the couch. How about you, Evan? Yeah, um, uh, it was more relaxing for me. I had a uh, procedure done, surgery, if you will. I got, uh, I won't share, but um, I was basically out for the out for the count. Um, so it was relaxing, and I wasn't very mobile, but it was good to sleep in. Um, you know, takes terrific. A- you've made a full recovery, and you're back on the show, though. Well, yeah, not full yet, but I'm gonna try hockey this week, and we'll see how it goes. Outstanding. And, yeah. And uh, Jeff, Jeff's nephew, uh, will fill you guys in. He was on a cruise ship, may have been joined by uh, the real Al's brother, but uh, he was not. Unfortunately, he did not see him. But uh, yeah, he went on a cruise. You can't miss that guy. Yeah, exactly. Can't miss him. But yeah, he was on a cruise in uh, the Caribbean somewhere. Don't really know where. Jeff's nephew is a bit of a mystery, but yeah. um, we won't get into that. Anyways, so, anyways, let's, let's, let's get to the. Uh, Personal power rankings. A special edition. We're going to get into some New Year's resolutions. We know lots of people make ridiculous resolutions that they don't even stick a week through. So we have five pretty typical resolutions, and we're going to rank them one to five. One's the most likely that they're going to keep doing this resolution until February. Mm. Um, So we got going, starting to go to the gym, um, going on a vegan or healthier diet, um, being more outgoing and going to more events social events uh watching less tv and being more wise with your money so um at number five evan what do you have so me personally uh, i'm gonna go with so i'm gonna less tv for me because obviously um i'm out of hockey this year i'm uh, pursuing my dream of being a pilot so i'm i have more time to watch sports it's my favorite thing to do and uh sports podcasts so Less TV for me. I'll be on the TV all the time watching sports and playing Chowler with the boys or something. So, Yeah, I agree. I, I think when you're at home for two weeks not really doing anything, you can picture yourself you know, not being on the TV much. But then after you get home from a long day of work, yeah. I think all you want to do is <clears throat> plop down on the couch. So number five, Open least likely. Open a bag of chips or something. The TV, watch, yep. watch a nice Jets game or yeah. Columbus game or something. Yeah. Uh, number four... Um, I'll go here. I'll go with uh, outgoing. Uh, You know, everyone has busy schedules. And uh, for myself, I personally, you know, my way to spend a good weekend is to just stay at home with, uh, you know, a couple friends, watch some sports, go to the movies maybe. But outgoing for me, I'm not really an outgoer. Maybe to a sporting event, Jets game, Bomber game, something like that I'll go to. But other than that, I like to stay home and keep to myself. Yeah, so my list is kind of more a generalized, not myself. So number four, I'm going to do going to the gym. And I see this every year. There's, you know, January 1st, there's like, it's packed. Like you can't, yeah. 
every single weight's taken, and then by the end of February, the things you know. It's by a the go- end of the week. Yeah, by the end of the week, it's a ghost town, yeah. and so it's pretty unlikely for someone to stay stay at the gym for more than a couple weeks. I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Number three for me, go into the gym. Like a lot of people say, oh, gotta go to the gym, gotta work out more, gotta lose the barrel. But um, we all know that that's all just a, a sham, and it's gonna be done in week, two weeks, three weeks tops for sure. So yeah. go to the gym, number three. I'm gonna go number three, uh, being more outgoing. I think, you know, it's it's pretty, it's, you know, it's easy to go back into your old habits of just hiding in your house. So I think lots of people are gonna do that. I love doing that. Yeah. No idiots to deal with. So. Yeah. Number two. Number two, um, money wise. For me personally, money-wise, because I always say I'm going to save up, and um, I clearly don't. I like to buy things. As soon as I get a, an, a hundo, that's my green light to go and purchase something nice. So, yeah, money-wise for me, I like I like buying stuff as soon as I get money. So I'm saying number two uh, is a healthier diet because, let's be honest here, especially when it comes to these vegan-type diets, it's, it takes more effort to make, and we don't have time for that, right? Yeah. And so that's not happening. Yeah, number one for me is vegan. I find this um, on the easier side to follow just because it's, like, unless you're addicted to, like, greasy food, Popeyes, McDonald's all the time, then you'll struggle with this. But if you if you can make a good salad that tastes good and you can enjoy it and stick with, then I think it's pretty easy to follow that uh, type of schedule. So I'm going with a healthier diet for number one is the easiest resolution to follow number one to me is being more money wise i think it's it's not that hard i mean as long as you don't splurge but i i I know lots of people do have problems with that so you know it is what it is but i'm victim myself some breaking news from twitter really lebron breaking news everyone okay well let's let's calm down oh it's it's not not breaking news but it's a report report coming out of carolina raleigh carolina from pierre lebron Mm. backed up by sarah sivian uh, beat reporter for the Carolina Hurricanes. They're saying that Justin Williams has talked to the Carolina Hurricanes about a new contract. For some, mm-hmm. some insight, he was the uh, former captain mm-hmm. and um, beat the Washington Capitals Nicknamed last year. Nicknamed Mr. Game 7. Yeah, he's old, so we'll see what Anthony has to say but here. But it's complicated by being 35 and over and rules about bonuses and being too close to the cap. And so word is that the Toronto Maple Leafs no. and Boston Bruins oh my goodness. have both inquired, made a pitch, and offered contracts to the former Hurricanes captain. Wow. So it looks like the three teams in the running right now, Carolina, Toronto, Boston for Justin Williams. <clears throat> you know he's leadership. You know he's clutch in the playoffs. All three teams could use that. Where, where do you think he's going to go? Oh, I was just going to ask you that question myself. But I think that he he's an older guy. I think that... Carolina fits him well. He is probably at his he's later in his career and for me he was he had a pretty good year last year and I don't see him moving because Toronto's a very large market with a lot of pressure and I don't think he wants to deal with all that noise. And plus I feel like he'd be shadowed by um or I feel like he'd be in the shadow of John Tavares with that leadership role that Tavares has in Boston. It's um it's it's a pretty big market as well. They always have high expectations to do well and make a deep playoff run. So I think Carolina doesn't have extremely high expectations, but it, they're also a good uh, team. A good team with young talent. I think that he fits that leadership role well, and he could be a very good role model for uh, those young guys. I feel like for the Bruins, though, he could fit well in that second line with Krejci and Nebraska. I feel like that would be a good fit. 
but in Toronto, you know, he's getting older. He's probably not in the greatest shape in the world right now, uh, missing the first half of the season. So how about putting him on the fourth line behind your other right wingers of Marner, Nylander, Kapanen, and then you put Williams on the fourth line. That's some crazy good depth. So I just don't think that Toronto needs him because, like, you look at their record now with Sheldon Keefe. We'll get into that later. But mm-hmm. they're doing just fine as they are. They don't need anyone else to put uh, pucks in the back of the net. Well, you don't necessarily need Williams for do that, to do that. You know he's going to do all the dirty work. You know he's going to be a leader. You know he's going to give you his best effort. And he's continuously been a clutch performer in the playoffs. So you put him in on the ice in the last minute, perhaps, with those top guys, and maybe he produces for you. That's right. Um, so anyways, moving right along here, we have... Uh, well, since we're on the topic of NHL, let's go to... Yeah, um, oh, that's what I meant. We were going to yeah. talk about... Let's yeah. talk about some Peter Laviolette. He was fired by the Nashville Predators yesterday afternoon, early evening. The word came out that he was relieved of his duties. It wasn't said who was going to be hired yet, but this morning the Nashville Predators have announced that John Hines has been named their new head coach. Hines has served as the Devils head coach for the last couple of seasons. He was fired earlier this year after the Devils really struggled to start the season. So what are your thoughts on Hines, and is he gonna, really going to help this team over Laviolette, or is there deeper problems in Nashville? Uh, yeah, Nashville right now is currently five points out of a uh, wildcard spot. They are underperforming in my eyes they acquired Matt Duchesne in the offseason and that is a big addition and all around I think they have like talented players who can do a lot but it comes down to Pecorene who the goalies as I said before uh, are the backbone of every team and Pecorene has not performed at all the Vesna winning uh, goalie from a couple seasons ago has not performed up to standards and right now they are five points out and I I personally like they're 19, 15, and 7 with a plus 5 goals differential. And with that, like they're not doing terrible, but they're not doing up to expectations. And I think that this may give the team a bump because Laviolette is a kind of getting your face type of coach, aggressive. And I think uh, Hines is uh, more of a laid back type of coach, and maybe he'll put in some new systems or structure or something like that to get these guys suited. And um, I, I think Nashville will turn it around in the second half of the season and definitely make the playoffs. I'm not really sure they will, though, because in New Jersey they had terrible defensive systems. The goalies were playing awful, and Rene and Saros have both been really bad this year. They're hoping that if Rene started to drop off that Saros could pick up the slack, but he really hasn't. And because of that, they're really struggling right now. They're out of a playoff spot by quite a number of points. I'm pulling up the lineup in front of us right now just so we can take a look at where they at, where they're at. They do have some injuries. They're down Ryan Ellis. They're down um, Colton Sissons. And they're also down um, Nick Benino, who's been very good this year, and Dante, and, Fabro. And Dante Fabro from the back end. Um, the problem for the Predators is a bit like the Coyotes, where they don't have that scoring punch really and sure they added Matt Duchesne but I don't feel like Matt Duchesne's a number one center that can carry your team no that's why he's on the second Mm -hmm. line right now yeah so So I liked him it's almost a similar situation to Columbus last year where Ryan Johansson's maybe a bit more of a two-way forward like Pierre-Luc Dubois and then you get Matt Duchesne in that second line role where he can produce but I'm not sure he's a game changer Philip Forsberg great player is he a game changer? Same with Victor Arvidsson, probably not. 
Yeah. So the offense is is probably the biggest issue for Nashville, and when they're not getting good goaltending, then that's that's a problem as well. Yeah, exactly. I just the only reason I'm saying that uh, Nashville will make the playoffs is because from previous years you can never count the Nashville Predators out. They're always a top team in the Central. This year it's a little bit different for sure, but I'm never going to count out the Nashville Predators. I'm no kidding, especially when you look at the guys they got on the back end. They've got Roman Yossi. They've got Matias Ekholm, Ryan Ellis, Dante Fabro when they get back from injury. That's a loaded top four. They're as solid as anyone in the league. Perhaps maybe the Carolina Hurricanes, a couple other teams, Blues maybe. But they're loaded on the back end, so if they can get their goal team together, if Hines can get them to score some goals which I think he should be able to do, then I think the Predators will be in the hunt for a playoff spot, although <laughs> it's going to be tight because we know how many good teams there is in the Central it's Division. It's very competitive, yeah. And the teams that have been making runs of lately, like even teams like the uh, Minnesota Wild have come on as of late. And oh, yeah, they're doing good. They're only four points out right now. Yeah, right now they're four points behind the Jets. The Predators are five points behind the Jets. But the entire division's really tight. You'd say that perhaps the Blues and Avalanche are going to pull away, I'd say, from the rest of the pack. Yeah, for sure. And the Stars seem even to... Dallas, like, yeah, Dallas even Dallas. Like, Dallas got off to a rough start, and now they've just not been on a heater ever since. You, you'd have to think those three teams are pretty much locks. Well, yeah. I'm not going to say locks. Well, but they're, Colorado they're, and St. Louis, for sure, are making the playoffs. Yeah, I'd say and those, let's be honest those three are favorites to make the playoffs. The Jets, I don't I know. I don't know. They, I don't know. It's going to be tight They're for them, very, for sure. Yeah. Especially when you look at the other division, the Pacific, when the Flames are starting to heat up. I know the Sharks have been awful, but the, they're the, in it every year. They don't miss the playoffs. Yeah, so. I, I want to talk about that mm-hmm. later, the Californian teams, but continue Yeah, let's on. do it. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about that now? Um, let's get to your Blue Jackets, actually. Um, let's move over to the Eastern Conference. We'll, what's happening with your Blue Jackets? What do you want to discuss? Yeah, so right now I'm very, very impressed. I'm excited for this group of guys. Um, so just to be clear here, these are uh, the injuries that they're dealing with. So they have a lot of starters out, and they just got Benstrom back. But these are the injuries they're dealing with. Cam Atkinson, top scorer. Josh Anderson, grinder, enforcer. He he can get points too. Love Josh Anderson, I think he might be the most impactful player on that team up front. Yep, Oliver Bjorkstrand. He had um, before he went out of the lineup. I think he's out for four to six weeks, I believe. Um, go before he got hurt. I'm pretty sure he had seven goals in five games, which is incredibly impressive. Ryan Murray, depth defenseman, very D- good. Dean Kukin, he's a third line D, mm-hmm. uh, but also that hurts on the back end. And their starting goalie, Jonas Corposalo, who's been absolutely insane this wow, year. Wow, I, I considering, that considering he was a backup his whole career, mm-hmm. and he had 17 wins, 10 losses, yep. I believe. And, uh, you know, my favorite player of all time, Alexander Texier, is out four to six weeks. Um, so Texier I'm kind of happy with, honestly. He's not that good. But, um, yeah, they have a lot of injuries, so – and. It, they are one point out of the playoffs. If they win tonight against Anaheim, um, they're on the Californian road trip right now, which is the easiest road trip in the league. They yeah, can just finish with a 4-2 win against L.A. They've got Anaheim today. They've got yep. San Jose on Thursday. Like Just to put this into perspective, now they're two points behind Carolina. Carolina's 50 points. Blue Jackets have 48. So they can catch Carolina on this road trip if they go... They, uh, 
if they go three and one on this road trip. They play, I believe, L.A., Anaheim, and then uh, San Jose, and then Vegas. And so if they can win all those games except for Vegas, which I don't expect them to win. That's a hostile environment. They could easily catch Carolina and maybe even move up into the top three in the division. But some of those teams need to tank, like Pittsburgh well, and the New York Islanders. I don't know if you want to talk about this, but I think they should be tied with the Panthers right now with 49 points. I'm not sure if you uh, saw this. I'm sure you watched it on the highlights in the game against the Chicago oh, Blackhawks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was overtime. Time's running out, and it's a too-many-men call, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. I think it was uh, – I forget who the player was. Perhaps even Patrick Kane touched the puck. And on the clock, it appeared that there was, I believe, 1.2 seconds left. And clearly, time had run out. It was pretty clear that there should be more time left on the clock. And the NHL, the referees were unwilling to change the clock. And so, and it ended up that the Blue Jackets shot the puck into the net just as time had expired. If they had even an extra .3 seconds, they would have won the game. Then they went on. It went went into the shootout. They ended up losing the shootout. And? Corpus got injured. Pulled his groin, I believe. Uh, Tore his meniscus. Yeah, well, also... Some lower body injury that goalies usually get. And here's what John Tortorello had to say after the game. He wasn't very pleased with Obviously, I wouldn't be pleased. Just before I play this, he got fined, actually. And a fun story coming out of Columbus that the fans actually uh, started a GoFundMe page for John Tortorello. And all donations will go towards his, I believe he shelters animals. And I think that all that money will go in support of that. Alan, so. I can guarantee you that the owner is giving him twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> exactly. Bonus. Well, yeah, like he got fined. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, that's, but that's not coming out of his pocket. I don't think that uh, he he'll be too concerned no. about that. But anyways, this is what he had to say. So the whistle blows. The whistle is blown at nineteen point two on the clock. For some reason, the clock is run down. A second and a tenth to 18.1. For whatever reason, I have no idea. So instead of resetting the clock, we have them tell our captain we're not going to do it. Toronto doesn't step in. Refs don't do their freaking job. And now we lose the game and we lose our goalie. So the chain of events, if it was done right, we don't lose our goalie, we win the hockey game. So all this gone technology right the technology and getting things right the stubbornness tonight by the officials and by the league and toronto however it's supposed to work screws us it's ridiculous i'm not taking any god yeah so torts was pretty fired up after that but i think he's got a point here the nhl is clearly the worst sports league in terms of how they make well, their rules and how they officiate things. NFL and NHL are both pretty bad. But considering the NFL has so many more, such a bigger following, you think the the NHL would be able to figure it out That's when true. this game's not even that complicated, really. Exactly. So should we head over to the Toronto Maple Leafs side of things, or do you have anything else to say about Columbus? Yeah, just one last thing I'd like to say. I'm very impressed with Columbus. Nobody ever says that they're going anywhere and clearly they are right now if they continue to play like this with all their top guns out if they continue to play like this i think they'll finish in the top three in the metro but that's a ways off now well it's just really it's a by committee type team really if you look at it um like they yeah like no one's really popping off offensively pierre luke dubois having 
pretty much how he's been on pace for his entire career. He's on pace for around Wierenski's 60 points. Wierenski's doing well this Wierenski's year. I'm doing very, very impressed well. with him. Bjorkstrand as well, but he's been out for a while now. Mm-hmm. Gustav Nyquist has been a really good add. He's, he's actually turned it up now. On pace for 20 goals, as is Oliver Bjorkstrand, although he's injured. Cam Atkinson, one guy who's probably taken a bit of a step back yeah. in terms of his offensive production. I believe he had over 30, or is it even closer to 40 last year? I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And but- so he's only on pace for just under 20 this season, so that's that's a little bit of a disappointment. Yeah, And the two guys that aren't really big names yet, uh, or at all, are uh, Emil Benstrom. He's, he's uh, 29 games, 9 points, but he's starting to play way better with all these guys injured. And uh, Gerby, who is a call-up, has been pretty good. He's played 7 games, 4 points, which isn't bad. And uh, I'm very impressed with his play. And he's really stepping up to the plate with all these guys injured. So it seems like um, Gerby's been around forever. He's oh yeah, he has the shortest player to ever play in the NHL. He stands at five foot four. Mm-hmm. So um, height's definitely not on the yeah, size. He's, a, he's an older guy. On the side, and I don't think he's the fastest player ever either. But no, he's, not not that good of a shot either. He's but pretty he, shifty. He gets around yeah. traffic and stuff. So he's good. He's yeah, a good but, good addition as well. Yeah, all around, I'm very impressed with the Blue Jackets. You know, last time we chatted, uh, I was done lost hope and now they're right back in the mix one point out of the wild card spot so i'm very impressed and um still at the nhl i I just quickly like to talk about california and what's going on there like the um san jose sharks anaheim ducks and la kings are tied or sorry not tied they are last in the uh western conference so what is your take on that oh well well, well, well. It is the easiest road trip in the NHL. Clearly, you look at the bottom of the standings in the Pacific Division, all three teams at the bottom, mm-hmm. and L.A. pretty much a cakewalk at this point. They lost pretty much their one dynamic player in Ilya Kovalchuk, even though he was not very good in L.A. Oh. Kopitar, good player, but he's not someone who really takes over games at this point in his career. All three of those teams just don't really scare you. Um, the Sharks... San Jose... They're still, I wouldn't say a dangerous team, but they're still like a. I'd say they're quality. dangerous. And Aaron Dell has played a bit better as of late in net, and so if he can take a run at this for a while, maybe they can turn things around. I mean, we know this is a team that can go on ridiculous hot stretches from time to time, but the guys they lost last season, they lost Nyquist, they lost Pavelski. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're just not going to recover from that. They also lost uh, Donskoy to the Avalanche, so. They're definitely down a few guys this year. Their defense isn't playing too well. Carlson's not having a great offensive season. And things just aren't working well for the Sharks. Yeah, L.A. has uh, 38 points, Anaheim 39. But um, San Jose is 42, two points behind Chicago. And that's not saying much. Chicago's terrible, too. But, Mm -hmm. like, that, that Californian, like, all those teams are not performing well. Like, I thought San Jose would be way better. L.A.'s always bad. After they won the Cup, they're bad. Anaheim, I thought they would be a bit better, but they're clearly not, and um, it's just been a bad season for all those California teams. And now, like everyone wants to go on that road trip, yeah, because no it's kidding. basically like a three game. It's like six points waiting for you. Well, back like five years ago or so, you'd be happy if you got out of there with two points. I yeah. think if you got three, you were pretty pleased. And now you're thinking if you don't get four, you're you're hoping for four. You're you'd be yeah. happy with five. You know. And so, if you get two, then you're like, oh my mm-hmm. god, what just happened? Yeah, yeah, two losses on that trip, and you're you're not looking too good. So nope. things have really gone downhill in California. Yeah, 
things that are going back uphill, should you say, um, very quickly. And now they're almost, they're starting to get a lot closer to the Boston Bruins is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yep. Uh, as much as I dislike the Leafs, I have to say I'm thoroughly impressed with their play. I went to the Leafs-Jets game when they were in town, and my goodness, they are a very skilled team. They, they're they fast, they can shoot, they get it, they're very well positioned. Um, they're actually, I can't believe I'm saying this, they're good defensively, and uh, Anderson is uh, one hell of a goalie. I think they're a good defensive team, it just seems like, Every once in a while, they make a big mistake, and it's not yeah. like over the course of a game they're bad defensively. But like we saw against the Edmonton Oilers last night, where Connor McDavid exposes Morgan Riley. I'm not sure what he's thinking there. Well, okay, you, it's Connor McDavid. Like, he, but at the same time, Morgan Riley is completely lost. He looks like he's playing football or something out there. Like, well, that head fake was pretty nice. But at the same time, he's standing still. He's looking around, and then all of a sudden, McDavid's passed him. These are the kind of defensive lapses that the Leafs have had for years. But overall, I think they're playing a much better team game under Sheldon under, under Sheldon Keefe. And them and the Lightning are both 8-1-1 one, and one in their last 10 games. So the Lightning have really picked it up mm-hmm. as well as we expected. They were at the beginning of the season. They didn't have as many games as uh, everyone else, but now... They have 41 games, Toronto is 44 games, and Tampa's only one point behind. So. Both of 24 wins, and, and yeah. actually the Bruins also have 24 wins. Yeah, which but they never lose in regulation. It's, so. it's the loser point that's killing the Leafs and the Lightning, which we shouldn't get into now, but it's kind of ridiculous that they've all won and lost the same amount of games, but yeah. yet the Bruins are somehow ahead by six points. Yeah. I find that a bit ridiculous. Carolina also 24 wins. Not that that matters because they're not in the same division. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Tampa's picked it up. Toronto has picked it up. Um, Columbus has picked it up. Like a lot of these teams um, that we expected to do well are now doing well. So everything looks on pace in the Eastern Conference to uh, shake out as we thought. Yeah, exactly. The first half of the season was very jumbled up. But now we're starting to see the teams like the Leafs the Lightning, the Vegas Golden Knights, starting to climb back up the standings. Washington's just as we expected. in first by a mile. Yeah, they they sure are. They know how to win. They've won enough Presidents trophies. St. Louis is ahead by quite a few mm-hmm. points as Even well. Even though they're they're not playing the best hockey ever, but they're they're still getting points. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I think we'll. Do you, do you know the record of Sheldon Keefe? I believe it's like fifteen four and one or five. He's 15-5. He's won the most games in his first 20 as a Leafs coach ever. He passed Hap Day for the most wins in the first 20 games under the Leafs head coaching role. And I don't know the stats offhand of Sheldon Keefe compared to Babcock, but literally you look, every single thing, uh, Sheldon Keefe has done better than Babcock this season. Like Sheldon Keefe is now climbing up to the same amount of games as Babcock, and... Like, every single category, Sheldon Keefe has checked off as a win over Babcock. And my favorite thing um, that that Sheldon Keefe's doing is after penalty kill, last minute of the period, he's throwing out Matthews, Marner, and Tavares together. And that, those shifts that they get together are dynamic, and they almost always have a terrific scoring chance. Mm-hmm. And That's a good It's move. just something that Mike Babcock was never willing to do, and it's same good with, to see. Same with, uh, like, Engvall. Mm-hmm. Babcock would never play him. Well, he was stuck in the minors because Babcock said, if you call him up, exactly. he's not playing. Exactly. And now look how good he's mm-hmm. doing. And he's Adam Brooks also called up from the Marlies. All sorts of good 
players from the Marlies that Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keith both liked, but Babcock was too stubborn to use, yeah. like Justin Hall. Yeah, he, he was in the press box 71 games last year. Yeah. All of a sudden, he comes in, and now, now, peop, now people he's a know top who four he is. defenseman. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Angville people know who he is. He looks like an ostrich out there, but mm-hmm. still doesn't take away from his skill, and he, yeah, he's good a good player. player. Yep. Couldn't agree more. So I think we'll cut that off for NHL talk now. Oh, we'll talk a little bit about the Jets first. Last night, they beat the Montreal Canadiens by a score of 3-2, to two, I believe. Yeah, Ben Schrott, former player, two goals. Yeah, two goals for the Montreal Canadiens, very unlikely. Carey Price actually played really well in that game. If he you did, see some yeah. of the quality saves, he just didn't get much help on the goals that he let in. 2-0, I mean, what can you really do? Well, Screen, what can you do? Tipped in. I thought Montreal actually played a pretty good defensive oh, game, yeah, in my mind. Oh, yeah, they actually did play well. Jets but, played well, finally. We've been waiting a while now. They... They were out of the playoff spot, and now they're one point ahead of Calgary for that second wild card, which is like uncharacteristic of the Jets. But uh, considering the lack of defensive uh, power they have, it's been expected. Bit of an interesting note from that game was his second game of the year, Sammy Niku got back into the lineup. Uh, he's been battling all sorts of injuries since a preseason car crash. And I thought Sammy really struggled yesterday. I thought he was turning over the puck and losing battles. Yeah, he's not the biggest defenseman, not the most skilled, but I think he's a fast defenseman. Yeah, he's, he's definitely a good skater like Pionk, yeah. which Pionk struggled in New York last year, so maybe you and give... And now he's having a career year. Exactly. So you have to give Niku a bit of a leash, but at this point I am starting to wonder if he is going to ever be a bona fide NHL player. Yeah. And another guy who really stood out last night, Andrew Kopp. I think yeah, first he was game terrific. back I'd after missing nine games. Best player, perhaps, on the ice uh, last night. I wouldn't say best player. I would say, well, yeah, best individual player. Mm-hmm. But I think Ehlers and Wheeler were the yeah. best players out there. Mm-hmm, exactly. But Ehlers, best you see that duel. almost every every game. So yeah. in terms of someone who stood out, Kopp for Kopp. sure got a goal. He's Great always play. someone who puts in all the defensive effort, mm-hmm. and he's someone who I think has some offensive potential. And you saw yeah. it last night. Maybe not. He had some wheels there. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the uh, fancy behind the back passes yeah. or the McDavid highlight reel goal, but you see him showing off some speed, a little some hands, and crashing the net for uh, to finish finish the goal. And that was a big goal for the Jets in the game. Yep. Um, so it's looking Jet- good on the Jets front. Yep. Jets have fifty points. Dallas has fifty two. So, and the Jets have played forty three, and Dallas has played forty two. So, it's it's all. It's very close right now, except for St. Louis is gone, um, Washington's gone, Toronto's catching up to Boston, but Boston's still pretty far ahead, and that's basically the shakedown of the NHL right now. Lots of you know teams that we expected to do well are now doing well. So Vegas is in top, is at the top in this in the uh, Pacific. Um, St. Louis is in first in the Central. Um, Washington, First Metro, and uh, Boston Atlantic. So moving right along now. To yeah, we'll, we'll cut the uh, NHL talk, and we'll go right to the World Junior Championship. Just concluded this weekend. It was an outstanding tournament, I'd say. I, I, loved, I loved watching it and all the skill and all the twists and turns that every game had. Yeah. Especially the gold medal game, that I'd say. That was one of the best hockey games I've ever watched. Mm-hmm. No kidding. The lead changes, the physicality, the speed, the defensive giveaways that yeah. each team was making. I thought it was an awesome game. Yeah, like when Russia scored that third goal to make it 3-1, to one, I just thought as a hockey player myself and watching hockey with that, that much pressure on Canada, 
that much time left. I believe there was like seven minutes left or some of that. Maybe even 12. Yeah. Well, was it? I think so. Yeah, yeah. it might have been 12. Oh, yeah, that's right, because they got mm-hmm. the penalty at like yeah. seven minutes or whatever. Um, we'll talk about that later. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a great game, and Canada really bounced back. Like, I, I didn't finish my train of thought. As a hockey player, being in that situation, I'm thinking it's done. Like, I was watching that game like, well, Canada put themselves in a position to win. And um, once again, they lost to the Russians, but they won. They came back. Um, yeah, I was very impressed with their play. And, uh, like, Canada was getting beat to mostly everything in the first couple of periods. And then they really stepped up to the plate and finished well. Absolutely. We saw another terrific performance from Alexi Lafreniere. I'd say he's pretty much cemented himself as the number one draft prospect for the 2020 NHL entry draft. Barrett Hayton, the captain, coming back. Quite a storyline there after he uh, yeah, hurt his arm quite badly in the uh, semifinal. Very inspiring. Mm-hmm. He's a two-way forward, definitely a defensive-minded centerman, but he showed his speed, and he showed that he has a plus shot for sure. Mm-hmm. So That was maybe the nicest shot of the tournament mm-hmm. I saw for sure. The Coyotes are looking at a very good second-line center, perhaps, if he continues on that track. Yeah, exactly. He could even become a number one. We'll see what happens there. Uh, Nolan Foot, we saw Another his one timer. Um, he's a, he has an outstanding shot. Maybe not the rest of his game isn't quite filled out, but Nolan Foot, great shot. He, yes, he stood out for sure. Uh, Joel Hofer stood out for me. Um, nine goals against, one sixty goals or one point six goals against average, and a nine thirty nine save percentage, which is insane at the junior level. Sorry, I don't mean to butt in here, but we've got a breaking trade. Our first trade oh. on the show. The Montreal Canadiens have dealt depth forward Michael McCarron to the Nashville Predators for Laurent Dauphin. All right, so Montreal acquires Dauphin and the uh, Nashville Predators get former first-round pick Michael McCarron, who's been toiling in the minors. It appears at this point that he's probably not going to be a full-time NHL player just because he lacks speed. Dauphin, someone who from NHL, anyone who's played NHL in the past, He's someone who used to score like 40 goals a year in franchise mode, so Great. he's not going to be that in the NHL, but breaking trade on the... Uh, breaking trade. Mm-hmm. Breaking trade. Yep. Back to the World Juniors. I thought it was a great tournament of Strava. Um, great hosts in the Czech Republic, and um, I thought it was a great tournament to watch. I tried to watch as many games as possible. All the teams put out a great effort, and um, on every team, including Kazakhstan, there were some great players that have potential to play in the NHL one day and I was uh, very impressed with uh, Canada obviously I was very happy to see uh, the Americans go home in the first round um, so yeah all around great tournament and we have a uh, another segment of personal power rankings so now we are going to go over the top five world junior players in our, our eyes and um just yeah, just kind of give you the rundown of who we think is the was the top five players in uh, this tournament. So um, starting off, I'll do my uh, honorable mention: mm-hmm. Joel Hofer, uh, the Canadian goaltender. As I said before, nine goals against, uh, 1.6 goals against average, and a 9.39 save percentage. He played absolutely um, insane for Canada. He looked solid, calm in the net the whole tournament, and. Uh, if he did not perform in that last game against Russia, they were done. 
well, if he didn't perform in every game, Canada probably wouldn't have a good shot of winning. But he was a big, big reason why they won the tournament. So honorable good, mention. Good Manitoba boy. Yeah, from Winnipeg. Plays with the Portland uh, Winterhawks, and mm-hmm. I was very impressed to see him play. Anyways, moving down to five. Uh, Anthony, would you like to go first? Oh, you go ahead. Me? All right, uh, this player, I put him in the top five uh, from Kazakhstan, Max Maxim uh, Morozov. Mm-hmm. Is that how you pronounce yeah. it? Um, he has seven games played, four goals, two assists, uh, six points uh, in seven games. And for me, uh, a lot of players had more points than him, but to be playing for Kazakhstan, which has been the worst team in – forever basically in the mm-hmm. in any uh hockey tournament he had a negative uh one he had ne- minus one points um and i think that's very impressive he's like, someone who was passed over in the draft last year i'll guarantee that some team is going to pick him up in one of the middle rounds and yeah. he showed his speed he showed showed a shot and he's a very powerful player coming down yeah coming down the wing so great showing from musorov and for my number five on my list is going to be Tim Stutzla from Germany. Yeah, he's also another honorable mention for me. He was great for Germany, yeah, probably the and, best player. And you look at the draft for this year, I think he's pretty much a guarantee to go top three now. You look how tantalizing his skill is, how fast he is, how fast his hands are, the vision he has in the offensive zone, yep. the way he finds passing lanes, creates on the power play. That shot that he has. Tim Stutzla, I thought he was outstanding. Yeah, another player who's on not a uh, powerhouse team in uh, the world for hockey, but he did very well in that tournament. And uh, number four, I'm going from Sweden, Niels, Niels Hoaglander. Uh, seven games played, seven goals, five po- five assists. Uh, that's 11 points. He did very well for Sweden. Um, fast guy. Mm-hmm. He, uh, knows how to, he knows how to play hockey. He has good hockey sense. And uh, I was very impressed with his play. Well, Hoaglander, such skill he has um, handling the puck. We saw him pull off the lacrosse goal and make other countless ridiculous passes. Um, To number four on my list, um, I actually grouped them together. I'm cheating a little bit here. I'm putting the two Swedish wingers together, Niels Hoaglander and Samuel Fagamo. And Hoaglander was the disher. He's so shifty with the puck. He finds passing lanes just like Stutzla, but... He's smaller, um, still has some warts defensively. I'd say his straight line speed isn't excellent, but definitely in tight quarters, he's a very fast player, um, able to get around guys, and he's so creative with the puck. Fagamo, he's just a pure goal scorer. Um, He put up eight goals in the tournament, but I think it's going to definitely going to translate to the NHL. You see the shot, the one-timer. You know, he can set up and hold the puck for a couple seconds and still beat a goalie, I think. His shot is that good, so I've got a duo at my number four. Yep, number three, same. I have uh, Fagemo. He had uh, seven games played, eight goals, five assists, 13 points. It's very impressive out of Sweden. Um, yeah, like Anthony basically covered it. He's a great hockey player, and um, I'm excited to see what he can do in the uh, majors. Mm-hmm. Number three on my list is Russian defenseman Alexander Romanov. He was a second-round pick from the Montreal Canadiens in the 2018 NHL Draft. He was named top defenseman in the 2019 World Junior Championship, and this year he was na- he was the number two defenseman um, after Rasmus Sandin of the Toronto Marlies. And Romanov is such a presence on the ice. Um, not only is he a terrific skater, he can rush the puck, 
move the puck and produce on the power play, but he also has a really a great mean streak to his game. We saw him step up in the neutral zone multiple times, make some sweet hip checks, some old school hockey. Um, he's like Radko Gudis in the sense that when he's on the ice, you gotta you gotta be aware because he can. When you're coming down the wall, if you don't have your head up, you're probably gonna be laying on the ice. So I love his physicality that he brings, but I also think that he's going to put up some real big offensive numbers when he gets to Montreal, which I think could be as soon as next season. And uh, number two for me, I have uh, Alexi Lafreniere. Uh, the reason that I don't have him at number one is because he only played five games. He had a scary incident in the rushing game, but luckily he was fine and ended up playing five games uh, in the tournament. He had four goals, six assists, ten points. Uh, this guy is all around um, quality skill. Like he, he can do everything. He can shoot. He has a one hell of a shot. He can pass, find the lanes, to make some pretty sweet passes. He has great speed. And one thing that I did not expect uh, going into this tournament is his physicality. If he wants to get involved in the game and get involved early, like on his first shift, I noticed that he goes into the corners and he makes a big hit. Which Gets is, in the game, something like Ovechkin likes to do. Yeah, like you see nowadays, like McDavid, Marner. Like, they don't go around hitting guys. They're more of the goal-scoring points type of player. But this guy, Lafreniere, he goes into the corners. He battles hard. He hits, and he does he does everything, basically. He has great hockey sense, and uh, I have him at number two. Yeah, uh, I actually have Alexi Lafreniere somewhere else on my list. I'm not going to say oh, where yet. I think yet. we know where. Um, number two on my list is Trevor Zegers from the United States. I thought the Americans had a very disappointing tournament. I thought they could... I'm very happy with I, their tournament. <laughs> I thought they had the skill to perhaps win the whole thing. But they ended up losing in the quarterfinals to Finland. It was a bit of an upset considering Finland was down their top center, Rasmus Kupari, since game one of the tournament. So definitely a bit of an upset. But the way that Zegers played was terrific. He wasn't on the first line, but when he was on the ice, I thought he dominated. His vision, I think, is up there with the best in the world. The way he finds passing lanes, his creativity with the puck, I think it's off the charts. And I think he might be the be the most skilled forward outside the NHL besides Alexi Lafreniere. Uh, for me, number one, uh, captain of Canada, Barrett Hayton. Um, he went out early, or no, sorry. Yeah, he went out of the game Um in the, uh, what game was that? Was that against Finland, I believe? Yeah, that was the that was Finland, Right, yeah. that was Finland. He went out of the game with a shoulder injury. It looked really bad. You could hear him yell. But he came back against uh, the Russians, got maybe one of the most inspirational goals mm -hmm. in the tournament, tying the game at three, late in the third, and um, basically set Canada up for a win. And uh, he, he played seven games, eight goals in seven games, five assists, 13 points. That is extremely extremely good um like he's he's an all-around player again he's not the fastest player no certainly not no but he he has like a wicked shot mm -hmm. he had a very nice shot there against the russians and he he can score from almost anywhere uh his passing is also on point and his vision also is uh before there. before this season um, and last year at the World Juniors, I liked Hayden, but there wasn't really one thing that stood out about his game. And now I think it's pretty clear that his shot is well above average. He's very good defensively. So Hayden I loved as well. He didn't make my top five, though. Number one on my list is Alexi Lafreniere from Canada and Ramuski in the uh, 
QMJHL. Alexi Lafreniere is going to be the number one pick this year. So skilled. Um, such a talented player. Uh, and he showed off his physicality, what he can bring with that. And I think he's just such a well-rounded player. He doesn't really blow you away with his speed, but just the talent that he has is un- is pretty much remarkable. And so he's number one on my list for uh, World Junior top five players. So that was great. Uh, World Junior discussion, Canada won gold. Uh, Russia got silver and Sweden got bronze. So that was awesome to see. Great tournament. I'm excited. Maybe uh, we'll go to the next year's one. Maybe in we'll Edmonton show up in Edmonton and Red, Deer. And yeah. Red Deer, yeah. Maybe the boys will be there and uh, watch some great hockey. But uh, moving along now to the uh, NFL playoffs. Um, this is an exciting time of the year for myself. I'm a big football fan. And uh, my Vikings are still in it. Big upset in New Orleans. I'm happy to see that. I was very pleased. And also the uh, Titans upsetting the Packers. Um, I'm not going to really ask Anthony questions because he's not an NFL guy. But no. I'll, I'll put but my do you two think cents to, do you think that was Tom Brady's last ever game? No, it no? wasn't. He's not going to put on any other jerseys. Um, Pete Blackburn, big Bruins fan, not a guy I like, but he's a very good follow on Twitter, mostly for hockey, but also other sports. He said that he would post a picture, um, butt naked. If Tom Brady put in a uh, put on any other jersey except for really? the Patriots in his career, and I'm, I'm not saying that I'm going to do that, but I'm I'm just as confident as Pete is that he'll never put on another jersey. I've seen some things that have indicated, and I've heard some things on some broadcasts that Tom Brady is going to the L.A. Chargers next year. Um, and personally, it makes sense because Philip Rivers is there right now. He's an older quarterback as well. But they are moving into the new stadium. And what would be better to sell tickets to pay off that new stadium than to see the greatest quarterback of all time in your jersey? And um, for me personally, I don't know if he's going to retire. I don't know if he's going to go to the Chargers. I don't know if he's going to stay in New England. But um, personally, I think it would be extremely weird to see Tom Brady after 20 years, I believe it is, with the Patriots to see him go and play uh, for someone else but um anyways going now we're gonna do uh some picks for this weekend mm-hmm. um so this is how it's gonna work jeff's nephew is gonna uh, flip that coin that mm-hmm. we have here you obviously can't see it and anthony is gonna call it and whatever it is he gets to pick whatever game he wants and pick who's gonna win that game for uh we'll go 50 50 bucks 50 bucks each game mm-hmm. 50 so bucks each please game. flip it. Call it. We'll call it in the air or else it doesn't Here we go. happen. Don't drop it on your phone. Heads. Heads it is. Here we go. Um, okay. I'm going to take the Green Bay Packers over the Seattle Seahawks. All right. At uh, Lambeau Field, he's going with the Packers over the Seahawks for 50 bucks. I'm thinking just having Aaron Rodgers. I think he's still quarterback there. I know Teddy Bridgewater's moved on from the... Oh, no, sorry, this is the Seahawks. That's right. Russell Wilson, very good quarterback yeah. as well. But I think that uh, the Packers are a team that has been in it for decades, really. Mm-hmm. For the last decade, they've been such a good team, and I think they're going to keep rolling. All right, for 50 bucks, I'm taking the Ravens over the Titans. Lamar Jackson, MVP, he is uh, by far, like, it's not even a question at this point who's winning the MVP. And, uh, yeah, that's why I'm going to take the Ravens. He's been basically unstoppable all year. And the Titans, in my opinion, shouldn't even be in this game. Uh, I think it's going to be a blowout game, and the Ravens are going to easily take this one over the Titans. 
Okay, um, I'm gonna go. Oh, this is a tough one here. I'm gonna take the Kansas City Chiefs over the Houston Texans. I'm gonna take this because at Arrowhead Stadium, because I believe they have an MVP quarterback and Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm, very good player, very good quarterback, very good player. I'm gonna say they're gonna ride him to victory over the Texans. All right, that is a solid pick. Texans just beating the Bills. And uh, that leaves me with the 49ers and the Vikings. Vikings are by far my favorite team. No one even comes close. But I I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to say, but I think the 49ers, they've been dominant all year. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has had a career year for sure. He has not had any injuries, which is uh, good to see out of uh, San Fran. So that's why I'm going to go with the 49ers because of the fact that they have been dominant and the Vikings are um, they're a good team, they're a quality team, but Kirk Cousins, I'm never going to bet on Kirk Cousins. He's 0-9 on Monday Night Football, and um, he has just got his first playoff win over New Orleans, and um, I'm pretty confident that the 49ers will win at their uh, home stadium. So that is it for NFL Talk. Um, do you have any other further comments in this episode? I think that's pretty much it. We've hit everything. Um, hit everything we're going to get on our New Year's resolutions. We're going to watch some more hockey, and I think that's pretty much it. We'll chat then. We'll chat then.